Sales development continues to grow in importance as a critical component of a successful go-to-market strategy. And with the explosion of new tools, technology, and processes, the sales development industry itself is thriving, as seen with the growth of the 10-bound sales development market map over at 10bound.com. On this podcast, we'll dive deep and go beyond sales development to think about the future of technology, processes, and tools in the industry with our host, noted futurist, author, and sales development practitioner, Justin Michael. Welcome to Beyond Sales Development. Tune in each week and be sure to hit subscribe, leave a comment, and turn on notifications to never miss an episode. And now, Beyond Sales Development with your host, Justin Michael. Hey, I'm Justin Michael. This is uh, Beyond Sales Development. We have Greg Casale from Revenir. Welcome to the show. Hey, good to be here, Justin. Yeah, great meeting you. Well, you know, I'm excited about sales development in the future. I would love to hear a little bit more about where you and your company play into this this matrix. Yeah, so here at Revenir, Justin, we design, build, and manage high-velocity outbound. We call them engines, uh, selling engines for our customers. Currently, we're, we're running about 40 different outbound teams on behalf of our clients. And, and when we go to work for them, we're fully white-labeled. So these look and act like their own teams. I mean, our teams go outbound with their email addresses. LinkedIn profiles are going to say that they work for that company. We live in their Salesforce instance. So in every way, we're just really an extension of their sales infrastructure. And we're phone first outbound, and we can talk a little bit about that, but we, we phone first many times to get a conversation and then move to emails typically to get those that we didn't get by phone. Well, luckily I'm a big fan of Omnichannel. I, I know there's debates raging in social media. How have you seen phone change kind of in a post pandemic moment here? I've seen statistics from Jeremy Donovan that, you know, email is down 35%, phones up 25%, similar percentages coming out of connect and sell data and sales lot data. What are some of the trends you're seeing? Because I guess that would be very valuable and practical right now for folks listening. Yeah, you know, I didn't know what we were going to see getting into March. Like a lot of people, we took our 150 or so employees and moved them home. And so they continued their outbound cadences from home since February. And what's really been amazing about the the conversion rates, and we're making about 100,000 outbound dials a month. So we have a lot of really good data that we get in real time off of our, you know, we're a sales loft tech stack company. So what we're seeing is all of the metrics are actually either the same or up during the what I call the COVID period, which is kind of from February to current time, with the exception of connect rate. So we've actually seen connect rate go down from about 6.5% to about 4.5%. So we've lost about 2% on connects, which is obviously just somebody picking up the phone. But conversations are up, which is amazing. So what it means is that when you do get someone on the phone, the ability to engage them in conversation is actually better than it was in pre-COVID, at least over the you know three months of data that we have so far. That's really fascinating. So I think you know, Ten Bound is uh, sort of is the sponsor host of this blog, and and Dave built this map of 500 vendors in the the space, and certainly outsourced SDRs or virtual SDRs are a really important category because I think people now are thinking, you know, should I build my own SDR team internally? The risk there is the SDR is either they don't quite get ramped fast enough or they get ramped so fast they want to leave and be an AE. 
there's a lot of benefit in bringing in on-demand third party to kind of slot in or white label. How do you manage that conversation um, with your prospects, with your clients? Maybe there's, you know, product led orgs. I, I think it's really interesting. And then how does Revenir differentiate itself? Uh, those are just kind of two questions in one. Yeah. So I think on the first one, I think what's happened is when you look at the complexity involved today, you know all about this, the complexity involved in doing outbound effectively is gets gets more complex all the time, right? The tech stacks, the technology we're using, the uh, ability to get a hold of people, have conversations, it's always changing. When we get to a difficult time like we are in COVID or bad economic times like we did in 2008, what happens is it exposes the sins of outbound teams that were not trained to do this the right way. They're not managing cadences. They're not being data-driven. When times are good, you can call people and get conversations. And so I think everybody is sort of having these outbound operations that are working pretty well. Now we go through tough times. The waterline comes down to expose the sins of these organizations. And what you found and what you heard was a lot of companies just saying, we're going to lay them all off because it's not working. There's no reason to have a BDR team in this environment. Well, that's actually not the case. We can be very effective during this period if you're trained in all of the elements it takes to be successful with this. And there's a lot of them. So what's happening now is companies that have laid off these teams are looking at outsourcing as a way to bring it back. Because when things get better in the environment, everyone's going to look to how do I make my number? How do I catch up time in 2020? And how do I set myself up for 2021? The cost of building, rebuilding an inside sales operation is huge to an organization. So I think they're looking now to say, maybe this just belongs in the hands of the experts. Maybe it belongs in the hands of those who've done this over and over and know how to do it effectively. So that's, I think, what we're seeing a lot in terms of customers now that, that used to run their own organizations and now saying maybe we outsource it. And in terms of differentiation, I mean, we're, we're not a pay for performance company. So we're not an appointment setting company that you pay for meetings. We're a managed service. We're a true inside sales team. That's an extension of your own sales infrastructure. We live in your own Salesforce instance. And a big differentiator for us, Justin, is we can close the land deal. So we'll go from complete white space organic sourcing all the way through to conversations with prospects. We do product demos here and we can close the land deal typically in the sub 100K range for companies. So we're complete prospecting and closing engines. And we don't need any leads to do that. We're not asking for leads from our clients. We'll generate those ourselves through research. That's so impressive, you know, and it's it's really interesting because we take this paradigm of you have field AEs and they kind of look at the sequencer tech or what's been called sales engagement, go, okay, sales loft, outreach, Zant, Groove, that's cool stuff. Let's give it to the SDRs or XDRs. So many acronyms now. Yeah, like the, here's the millennials. They'll get it. You, you do it. But now suddenly, what, 6 million sellers, I was looking at the outreach press release. We're all sort of from field to remote. We're all inside. So there's two opportunities. One, I think ACV and TCV increases because these sales cycles have to happen. And field sellers need to embrace these new tech stacks that maybe was sort of, let's leave it to just the SDR. Are you seeing some of those trends. And then you also mentioned coaching and training internally. Like this other cool piece of the stack is the gong chorus conversational intelligence. We have to be able to listen. We can't necessarily be in the room now and splice in. So yeah, my two questions are like, are you seeing the sales stack hit the field? Are you seeing your ACV go up? And uh, I'm sure you have a lot of cool ideas about coaching and using coaching tech because of the scale of your operation. 
Well, definitely on the, on the first one, what's happened, you know, it's obvious the lines are blurred now between inside and field. So as those lines blur, you can no longer define the role of the field rep as the field because they're, they're not visiting customers. They're not going on site. So then you say, well, what's the role of that person? So what I talk to my customers about is you have to redefine, redesign the entire sales process now all the way from first engagement to close, forgetting the fact that there may be on-site work or there may be consultative parts of the selling and just say, if it was one linear sales process, regardless of where the people are, how would I make that more efficient and more effective? Which means the tech stack now extends all the way through the sales process. And so our field AEs and sales professionals have to learn how to engage in that tech stack. Because if I don't have real data and real metrics extending all the way to the close process, and we all know, right, we've all been in AEs and field reps, we're the worst at, at doing that, at maintaining hygiene and sales force and making sure that there's mm-hmm. metrics and, and consistency. Yeah. That can't be anymore. When you look at this as one seamless sales process, everybody has to be involved in, in that, in that part of the selling process. So that's what I think is, is really changing in terms of that, you know, that dynamic between the, uh, the field rep and the, and the inside sales rep. When you think about training, you're right. Now we have all this conversational analysis, which I love. Because the thing we've always taught, and I, I think is missing from just about every sales training, is that how you speak is more important than the words you're saying when you're doing outbound calling. So much training is provided for here's how to answer every question they're going to ask you. I don't care about that because if you can't get past the basic objection of I don't have time, I'm not interested, I already have that, you're never getting to that conversation. And it turns out to get that piece, you have to use a little psychology. When the person picks up the phone, they immediately go into this panic state of fight or flight because I'm in a sales call. And it's real. Heart races, people sweat. They have to get off this call. The only way to get them to relax so that you can get onto the conversation is to use your voice in a way that will get them to relax. We teach that. We teach pace. We teach how to create clean speech with no filler words, how to add uh, engagement and energy to your speech. All of these things create more conversations. That's a really important part of the training that needs to happen. And conversational tools like Gong and Chorus and others are a great tool with that because they can help someone look and see what did I say? What words did I use? And did I help to get that person to relax so I could get into the call? So it's really become a psychology game more than it is just training people on technical bits and bytes. Yeah, I was I was speaking to a, a, a rep recently who was a colleague of mine at LinkedIn, and she said, I'm working right now because I have a tendency when I speak to speak for three minutes. And I was like, wow, that is super self-actualized and self-aware because she's using her Ring DNA tech, which has a piece of the gong and chorus. She can see the software is analyzing her. So she as a, a rep now can can share that. I was like, that's awesome. I'm sure I'm violating that, right? <laughs> so to segue here, one of the funny things about stacks is AI, ML, natural language processing, computers like Google Duo is making a phone call. There's hyper-personalization, personalized skill. There's all this tech. The question is like, does AI and ML actually work? Where do you apply it? Where do you think that's going? You're so close to these outbound tech stacks. There's been a lot of fake AI <laughs> that has not worked. That's just rules-based automation. I would love your viewpoints on almost issue. 
I, I, in my experience in working with companies and, and really getting into their sales organizations and then how do you bolt on something like a, an outbound or, or even inbound lead generation engine, one of the things I find is that most companies are just learning to walk with this stuff. I mean, it's, it's very basic. I mean, they, they're hiring people. They're putting them on the phones. Oftentimes, there's not a lot of training, and, and it's very basic. Now, when you talk about these tools that you're talking about, like AI and natural language processing and things like that, this is way up here on the sort of cutting edge complexity of things. Now, what can happen is if you have the wherewithal and the budget to do it, companies can go buy all this stuff. <laughs> but I liken it to if I decide I want to get out and ride a bike for exercise and I decide I'm going to go buy a $6,000 road bike that I saw, you know, the Olympic team using, <laughs> I don't need that. It's not going to, I need to first learn how to get out and ride for an hour or two hours and feel comfortable and be able to pace and things like that. So for most companies, even though we talk about all this technology and all this stuff, I just break it down to the basics, recruit the right people, have a training program and use it a hundred percent of the time. I don't care if it's the most basic thing. You got to have training, build a playbook and make sure that they know what they're supposed to do when they engage with prospects, measure everything, Create a cadence. Now here we use an hour by hour cadence. So we'll have hours of, of research blocks and we'll have hours of calling blocks. Mm. So everyone's doing things the same way, the same time. That's really important. And make sure you have really good dashboarding tools so that you can see what's going on. Do that even at a basic level before you ever think about things like speech analysis and AI. Now there are companies that are, that are way up there on the scale of their technology journey and they've mastered all these things. And as the new things come out, they're going to keep layering them on. And we do that here. But for most companies, I think they get lost in these conversations. Should I be using AI? The answer is probably no. <laughs> yeah. If you don't have a consistent process, the last thing you want to do is put AI on top of that. So I think we have to really put in context the technology because if you have the money to buy this stuff, and some companies do, it can be Christmas morning and all these shiny things. But does it really help your sales team be more effective, which is all we really care about? Yeah, so I was hugely inspired by Predictable Revenue and always enjoy talking with Aaron Ross and seeing what he's up to now, um, sort of retrofitting this for the 2020s. And uh, yeah, we're moving from systems of, of record to systems of engagement and sort of, but what you're pointing out is we need to be Henry Ford before we're Tony Stark. Like if you're missing the basics, I, I think Jill Rowley said it, a fool with a tool is still a fool, right? It's like, I always say like the thousand dollar big Bertha driver, right? If I go out on the golf course and Tiger Woods has a, a driver <laughs> from the seventies and I have this thing, I'm going to whiff it into the trees and he's going to you know smoke me on the course. So it, yeah, I yeah. love Jeff Blount. He calls it the paradox of basis. I wanted of basics. I wanted to double click again. So yes, like 80% of calls is tone yet. The whole industry is training templates and scripts. And then the other thing I isolated in research and over time is, there's a lot actually from visuals. I think so. Chris Beal, the CEO of Connect and Sell, says that like a single phone call is worth 284 email interactions. Yeah. And then another one I saw is if someone loves a visual, it's worth 60,000 words. How are you playing with just sort of like it sounds like you're into psychology and neurology and this stuff, but how have some of your approaches? I, I'm really curious how you A/B test. Actually, you've got these hour blocks and you've subspecialized into research. But how have you learned and evolved the method from maybe where it was a few years ago to now? Because it sounds like you're taking a pretty scientific approach. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, my background is, is in, I'm obviously a lot older than you, Justin, but I, you know, I've been, been running sales organizations and before that in sales and my background is actually engineering. So my degree is in chemical engineering, which is wow. not really relevant other than that. This is becoming an engineering problem to solve, isn't it? It's not so much now about putting a bunch of rock stars in a room and leaving them alone to do their thing. Yeah. We have, create a rock star process. We have to put in place the right tools and technology and process for this to work. The people are there to create a compliant system, but the system has to be in place. So it's really important that we do that. And I think when we think about, you know, how to train people to do that and with, with tone, the way things have changed in using the phone is there was a time when people sat in an office and next to a phone and they, and they picked it up. Then they moved away from phones. They weren't near the office. And now we come back to a place where everyone carries a phone with them. This is what surprises people. If you haven't kept up with it and you believe that the phone doesn't work because HubSpot came on the scene in 2007 and changed the game with with email and what you can do with email, if you haven't followed what's actually happening, which is now everyone carries a phone with them in their pocket. And so... The, the conversion rates of conversations by phone are the highest they've ever been in the history of the telephone. That is right now. So when people say things like cold, cold calling doesn't work, they're not <laughs> looking at the numbers. Right. Now, here's the deal. You've got to have a cadence to your outbound calling so that you know when you've exhausted the success rate of, of outbound on a particular, there's a bell curve. If you call someone 20 times, there would be a bell curve, which would represent the best time to get a hold of them when you can get a conversation. And we look at this. There's times of day, there's day of week that have the highest probabilities. What you want your reps to do is maximize at the highest probability, but then move away from phone when you've exceeded that and you haven't had success. So if everybody is calling as we do two to three times a week, every other day on a particular lead, and they're calling up to 20 tries to get a conversation. When they've exhausted the max probability, they go to email sequencing. And the reason we do phone first with no email and no voicemail is because when you get the conversation, the conversation has a highest, higher conversion rate than any other form. You can't debate it, right? That when you get someone live on the phone, you will convert at a higher rate than any email could ever do. So we don't want to go to email until we've exhausted the probability of the live conversation. But to do that, you need everyone to believe that phone first. If you put a bunch of BDRs in a room and you say, do what you think is going to be effective, what you get is one call or two calls, then email, then voicemail, then email, and it goes on and on into random use of those three paradigms. Yeah. So what I need to do is say, no, we're, you're going to call two to three times a week. You're going to do that up to 20 tries. You don't get a conversation. We do five emails in sequence, three to four days apart. And then we start over again and we measure everything. Now I have the consistency to A-B test. A-B testing only works if the A and the B are very consistent except for one variable. You need a control. It's scientific method ultimately. Otherwise, it's really invalid. <laughs> That's right. But how many people are A-B testing with... You know, they're trying to test one variable, but under the covers, everything is random. So you're not going to know what the test is. So you have to start from a place of consistency across what the teams are doing. It's really interesting. So Mary Lou Tyler is an engineer by trade from uh, actually UCSB and Mark Roberge from HubSpot was an engineer. Mm -hmm. And so these things like regression analyses for hiring was something that came out of HubSpot. I think he said adaptability, coachability, and grit. And I think 
people were looking at all sorts of other metrics. It's cool because you're looking at a purely data-driven statistical approach. However, it really is data. The art and science, if you don't nail the science piece, the art (laughs) doesn't do much, right? You're talking about Pareto rules and waste and every physics system has to be 80% waste by physics law. And so I actually had a lot of breakthroughs thinking about power law distributions and outbound B2B systems. How are you stack raking your segmentation and targeting? I'm not looking for secret sauce here because I actually just learned a lot on this call because I talk to people all the time and it almost reminds me like martial arts. Like what we do is we, we called and linked in, then we do a drift and everyone sees out of their flavor, but you've arrived at this in a very data driven way. So yeah, lots to unpack well, I don't, that I could share. Yeah, it's funny because everyone does have their beliefs and that's fine. And they have data to back it up too, which is fine. When companies ask me, like when I say we don't do voicemail, like, oh, wait a minute, you know, like if you're on the phone, why wouldn't you just leave a voicemail? Well, there's a reason for that. One is a almost zero conversion rate. Two is I don't want them to know I'm trying to get a hold of them because I want to have a live conversation. But if somebody says, hey, I believe voicemail works or I believe email first and calling, I'm fine with all of it. My thing is just, Create a consistent cadence that tells your SDRs, your XDRs what to do. Mm-hmm. Don't leave it to them. So if you believe email first or you believe voicemail first, I'm fine. Just tell them what to do. So I never get into kind of the, the religious wars about that because I don't make it, <laughs> I don't think it makes sense. You know, Mark Roberge did a fantastic job and I read, I read his book and, and I think it's a, it's really telling, particularly when you talk about regression analysis of people coming in. I think that was way ahead of its time yeah. to think. It's not just this rock star persona. I think it's changed a little bit when we get into uh, phone first. For companies that want to do phone first outbound, one of the pieces a lot of people miss is the compliance piece, which is you need a personality that is comfortable being compliant in a process and doing the same thing the same way every day. I need that. And we all know the really successful rock star salesperson typically doesn't like process. They don't want to be told what to do. They don't want to follow the herd. They want to do their own thing. So if you hire that person into the system or the science, you're, you're not going to be successful. So you need people that can be compliant and gravitate to process. They like metrics. They like being able to see their dashboard in real time and, and what they've done. So those are important. The third thing is how they speak. I can help someone a lot with coaching, and we do. We use ORI apps and things like that to measure their speech. I can't completely change their ability to speak. So if they're coming out of college today without the ability to speak, and unfortunately, people are very wrapped up in asynchronous communication and not getting a lot of conversation. So I need someone that has the basics of how to speak, which is pace, cleanliness of speech, and the ability to put words together and complete thoughts. And that can be a challenge. That's number one for us. We do that on a phone interview first. Interesting. And we lose most of our candidates there. Wow. So I live in Southern California, so I have the like gene, like this, like that, like, 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 and that's kind of permeated all of tech into (laughs) this funny colloquial style. It can be disarming in ways, but... In other ways, right, economy of speech is big. I had a mentor who sold a company to Oracle. And I got on the phones when I was 21 doing telemarketing, but at 27, I was in SaaS. And I would always say, look, my job is to call executive directors all day long. And I'm like this 27-year-old kid, like, why are they going to listen to me? And he said, well, how you speak and your acumen will add 10 years. And I totally believe in this egalitarian world where for every million dollar deal, there's like a 22 year old rep right there who either landed the meeting 
or progressed it. So it's that equal business stature from the Sandler method where for that moment in time, if you're a subject matter expert on the product and they need the product, you are almost equal on that interest graph for that moment. How do you coach that and train that for XDRs on the on this podcast for kind of going, I don't know if I should call, I'm scared. Could I even call Greg, the CEO, the CXO? How do you train your people to go call in high, middle out, bottom up? What's your approach there? Are you doing consensus driven? Do you do you have an angle there that the data says? Well, we're going to work, you know, we work with our customer, obviously, on an ideal customer profile and a persona of who we're calling. And sometimes we'll coach them on that a little bit. Like everybody wants to speak to a C-level decision maker. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Let me talk to you about the, the conversion rate when you when you're calling a C-level executive versus coming down a bit to a director or low-level VP. The connect rate goes up. The conversation rate goes up. So it might be better to build consensus at a manager, director, VP level before you go to C-level. And I can show the science that would say, here are the conversion rates that would say it's probably a better strategy. And sometimes they need to be educated on that. You know, when people say, hey, we don't want to talk to anyone except C-level decision makers, I said, I understand that. But as a practical strategy, is that the right thing to do? And I think you have to bring in the metrics on that. In terms of the, the XDR is calling these uh, people and, you know, I have to call a C-level and I'm two months out of college. How does that work? You know, we teach something called emotional detachment and it sounds horrible. And I always <laughs> tell them being emotionally detached in this, in this job is a good thing, but don't bring it home with you. Right. But it's, it's the ability to go through your choreography of the call, regardless of who's on the other end and what they're saying back to you. I, t- I talked to it about, I talked to them about ever since kindergarten, you were told if somebody said, I don't want to play with you, you know, the teacher would say, Hey, stay, stay by yourself. They don't want to play with you. We're telling you to, to have a little antisocial behavior here. We're saying when somebody says, I don't want to play with you, I'm going to tell you to keep trying to play with them, right? You're going to keep going back and it doesn't feel right inside because we've been trained to move away socially when somebody says, I'm not interested. We have to get them over that, and that's muscle memory. It takes repetition, and yeah. we do a lot of that in the uh, in the training as well. I love this call because we're talking about the future of sales development beyond sales development. We're talking about some of the, the bedrocks and ba- basics. One thing I want to ask is we have a few more minutes is where do you see XDR, um, all the acronyms, opening in 2025, 2035, 2050. Like, I want the flying car. I want the hoverboard. Where's my self-driving Uber? Can we hit the singularity? Can I put a chip in my brain and have all human knowledge? None of this seems to ever really happen. What are the changes you predict might actually happen? I see five billion is going to go into sales tools in the next few years. (laughs) What are you forecasting that could be interesting, you know? Well, I think the first thing I was going to say is I, I loved your uh, analogy of the Henry Ford and Tony Stark. So I'm going to try not to use that in a blog. I will credit you if I do. <laughs> but that was, that was really good. I think, you know, when I think about where this is going, I mean, the, the, it, it's all about the data. Uh, it's like every other part of business today. Everything is moving towards the, you know, the massive data lake and what can we learn from the data? And here's where it's going to, where I think it's going to go for us. And we're doing this today, uh, in a very, very early stage way. But we're, we have the luxury of sitting on top of 40 plus Salesforce instances and looking at all this data that comes from hundreds, you know, hundreds of thousands of calls. We can now 
if you look at Tableau, what Tableau can do, Citibank's Salesforce, right? Salesforce acquired Tableau. You get that data out of Salesforce. You put in an engine like Tableau. Now you get all kinds of really cool insights that you couldn't see in Salesforce because Salesforce is a terrible place to do that. Where does it go now? The next thing is if you put an AI engine on top of something like Tableau, we can get predictive about this stuff. We could say, if I'm trying to call a CISO and my, my ACV is 25K to 50K, my sales cycle is four months. If I make 60 calls a day, tell me what the connect rate is for that person, the conversation rate, tell me what day to call them, tell me what hour to call them, tell me how many calls I need, tell me how many emails. And you can create this predictive model that you could walk into a boardroom and say, here's what we're going to do. And it's going to work. That's awesome. And very few of us can do that today. And so that's, to me, is the big thing, right? It's going to be AI for predictive modeling, not so much to help me with this conversation on the phone and tell me what to say, but can we get predict? And that's all we're trying to do, right? We're trying to predict what's going to happen. That's what every sales manager is trying to do. That's going to be a reality, and that's going to be really cool. Well, you're in a unique seat because to do predictive right, we need big data to crunch it. And it seems like if you have enough call data and you have these 40 instances and you have this Tableau and you can you can crunch that. So I would imagine the revenue or the future has data science as a, a, a division or a discipline within <laughs> these teams. Very cool. I believe that too. I think that sequencer 2.0 and 3.0 is a prediction, right? Who do we call on next? What's the highest propensity, best time of day? Can the system coach me on what to do next, you know? Exciting. Yeah. This has been an awesome conversation that the thing that's challenging about these is I could totally talk with you for like 200 more hours. <laughs> How can people find you, your company? And I want to make sure that they can reach out if they're inspired by what you've shared today. Yeah, we blog quite frequently in all these topics that I'm talking about here. You can find the blogs on our website at Reveneer.io. We're also on LinkedIn, Reveneer on LinkedIn, and we post there as well. And I believe in just free-flowing information and education. When, when you talk about special sauce, I really, there's very little, if anything, that I will hold back on. I'll share everything that we know if it helps somebody, whether they do business with us or not. I'm passionate about this. It's a uh, It's an incredibly exciting place to be right now. And I'm happy to share that with anyone. So I appreciate the opportunity, Justin. Great uh, as well. I jotted some some cool things that you shared here also. And I like the the way that you look at this as sort of psychology and science as well, because that's how we do it. And thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Greg. Have an awesome week. And thanks for being on Beyond Sales Development. Bet we'll talk soon.